The night air was cool and damp as the boat cut through the dark waters. Jamie gripped the sides of the small motorboat, salty ocean spray peppering her face. She glanced over at Derek, steering the boat towards the hulking shape emerging from the fog ahead of them. Are you sure this is a good idea? She asked nervously. Derek grinned, his white teeth flashing in the moonlight. Scared, Jamie? She shook her head, reddish ponytail swishing behind her. No, just... My dad said this place is dangerous, contaminated or something. That's just a lie the government tells to keep people away. I've been here tons of times to party. It's abandoned, completely safe. Jamie nodded slowly, turning her gaze back to the island looming before them. Plum Island. An isolated 100-acre speck of land off the eastern tip of Long Island. Once home to a top-secret government animal research facility. Now, just a crumbling ghost town forgotten in time. Or so they thought. The boat's motor quieted as they reached a dilapidated wooden dock. Derek and Jamie hopped onto the weathered planks and tied up the boat. Derek clicked on a flashlight, the beam cutting through the soupy fog. Three other teenagers waited for them nervously. Took you long enough, said Connor, a tall, lanky boy chewing his fingernails. Let's just get this over with, added Megan, hugging her shoulders against the chill air. Derek nodded. Don't worry. Nothing here but some abandoned buildings. I'll prove it's not haunted or whatever other crap people say. The group headed down the creaky dock towards a dirt road. The main research facility complex loomed ahead of them. Decrepit brick buildings covered in vines and graffiti. Shattered windows gaped like missing teeth in the crumbling walls. They reach at the front entrance. A rusted chain hung across the doorway. Derek ducked under it and shoved the door open with a scrape of metal. The teens filed into the darkness, footsteps echoing down the debris-strewn hallway. This place gives me the creeps, Megan whispered. She jumped with a yelp as a rat scurried past her feet. Man, it reeks in here too, said Connor, wrinkling his nose at the stale, medicinal odor hanging in the air. They explored empty offices, their flashlights glinting off dusty desks and cabinets. Entire walls had collapsed, giving glimpses of lab spaces beyond, tables and equipment covered in years of dust and decay. Let's check out the labs. That's where they did all their freaky experiments, said Derek. He led them through a crumbling breezeway into another building. They entered a large room filled with rows of cages, the metal bars rusted and bent. Jamie shuddered as she imagined what sorts of animals had been kept prisoner here. Megan wandered toward a wall of refrigerators used for storing lab samples. Curious, she opened one. Ugh, gross, she exclaimed, gagging and stumbling back. The teens crowded around to see shelves filled with moldy lumps and oozing puddles of decomposed organic matter. Nice one, genius. You're gonna get us all sick touching that crap, said Connor. Derek's flashlight beam illuminated a door hanging off its hinges at the back of the lab. A sign next to it read, Genetic Engineering, Authorized Personnel Only. Let's see what's inside, he said with a devious smile. I don't know, maybe we shouldn't, said Jamie. 
but Derek had already disappeared through the doorway. With nervous glances at each other, the group followed him into the pitch black room. The bobbing flashlight revealed strange machinery linning the walls, tanks, and two bees for experimentation. In the center sat a large glass chamber, its walls frosted with age. Derek wiped away the dusty film. Inside, they could make out a metal operating table fitted with leather straps. What the hell did they do in here, said Megan in quiet horror. Cloning? Mutations? Who knows what freaky crap, said Derek. Suddenly a loud crash echoed through the empty building, making them jump. What was that, Jamie whispered. Derek shook his head. Let's get out of here. This place gives me the creeps. They hurried from the room, eager to leave. But they froze as shuffling footsteps and low grunts drifted from the hallway ahead. Someone else is here, said Connor. The grunts grew louder, accompanied by the scrape of claws. A dark shape appeared, lurching into the dim glow of their flashlights. The group collectively shrieked. The creature before them looked like something from a nightmare. It stood on two muscular legs, greasy fur covering its hulking body. Shredded rags hung from its twisted frame, but the face was the most horrifying part. Half human, half animal, with glinting yellow fangs protruding from its mouth. The beast released an unearthly wail and lunged toward them. The group split and ran, the creature swiping just shy of Megan's ponytail as she dove out of reach. Go, go, Derek yelled, bolting down the hall after the others. But their path was blocked by two more lumbering monsters. One was covered in patchy fur and walking on all fours, while the other had warped bone-like blades jutting from its pallid flesh. Trapped between the creatures, the group huddled together, screaming as clawed hands grasped at them. Derek swung his flashlight like a club, bashing one of the beasts in its deformed snout. It shrieked in pain, giving them a brief opening to run back the way they came. Panting with terror, they sprinted through abandoned rooms and corridors, the cries and footsteps of the creatures following close behind. After hurtling through a broken window, they emerged gasping into the fresh night air. The group raced down the dock and frantically climbed into the boat, fumbling with the motor and ropes. As the engine roared to life, a mob of the monsters poured from the building, loping down the dock on all fours. Their snarls and howls rent the night air as the boat sped away into the safety of darkened water. As the island shrank from sight, Jamie stared back in horror at the nightmarish creatures clustered on the old wooden dock, watching their escape. A chill deeper than the cold sea wind shivered through her, because inside those distorted but strangely familiar faces, she thought she glimpsed something human staring back. The small coastal town of Montauk was still asleep as the first light of dawn crept over the horizon. Bob McKenzie sipped his coffee slowly, relishing the peace and quiet of the early morning patrol. After decades as sheriff, he found this was the only time he truly enjoyed being out on the job anymore. The crackle of his radio interrupted the calm, a call coming from the station. Mackenzie here, Bob answered. Sorry to bother you, sir, but we've got some calls coming in you should hear, the deputy said. Folks saying they've seen some kind of 
creatures wandering around the beaches east of town, attacking people. Bob frowned, sitting up straighter. What kind of creatures? They can't tell for sure. It's still pretty dark out there. But they say they look almost human, but also animal, maybe. It's crazy, I know. Bob sighed, too close to retirement to deal with some hysterical townspeople. Probably just a rogue dog pack or some raccoons gotten into garbage. But I'll swing by the beaches just in case. Let me know if you get any more calls. Yes, sir, the deputy replied. Bob flipped on the patrol lights and headed out onto the dark, winding coastal roads. As he approached the shoreline, the hint of a foul smell reached his nose. Like rotting meat and sewage, Bob's sense of unease grew. He pulled into the empty parking lot of Sag Main Beach. The stench hit him like a gut punch as he stepped outside. Bob wrinkled his nose and shined a flashlight across the sand. Trash cans were overturned, their contents spread in reeking piles, but it was the huddled shapes lying still across the beach that turned Bob's stomach. With growing dread, he approached one. It was a mutilated dog, its fur matted with blood. Chunks of flesh were torn from its body. Bob swept the light beam around and saw more animal carcasses, and even a human arm ripped from its body. A crashing sound came from the trees beyond the beach. Bob drew his gun and cautiously moved toward the sound. He swept the light between the trunks when a monstrous shape lurched out, shrieking. Bob yelled in shock and fired shots into the thing's chest, barely reacting to the bullets. It stood on two muscular legs, greasy fur covering its hulking body. But the face was distorted, half human and half animal, with jagged teeth jutting from its jaws. The creature reeled from the gunshots but kept coming. It swiped ragged claws toward Bob, who dove out of reach into the sand. The thing loomed over him, fetid breath on his face as it went in for the kill. Sirens wailed in the distance, distracting the monster. It whipped its gruesome head towards the sound, then retreated into the trees. Gasping, Bob clambered to his feet and backed away to the parking lot. Just as the patrol cars arrived, the beast's shrieks and howls echoed from the forest. What in God's name, the deputy breathed, taking in the mangled bodies scattered across the beach. Before Bob could answer, the woods erupted with monstrous shapes bounding towards them. Look out, Bob yelled, lifting his gun. The deputies opened fire, dropping two creatures that writhed hideously before going still. The remaining monsters scattered, loping away down the darkened road. Bob scanned the tree line, his pulse pounding. Barricade the road, he told the deputies. Whatever these godforsaken things are, we need to keep them from getting any further. The officers quickly blocked the way with their parked cruisers. Other units soon arrived to help secure a perimeter around the area. As emergency calls flooded in, Bob kept replaying the creature's chillingly familiar face over in his mind. A nagging sense told him he had seen such deformities before. Soon, a hazmat truck marked Plum Island Animal Research Center pulled up, followed closely by a black van. A stern-faced man with a military crew cut climbed out. Sheriff McKenzie? 
I'm Colonel White from Plum Island, he said, flashing an ID badge. We'd like to take command here. Before Bob could argue, a woman in a lab coat with frizzy brown hair jumped in. Sheriff, I'm Dr. Mariah Ellis, head of research at the facility. I believe I know what we're dealing with. She opened a folder, showing Bob photos of misshapen creatures that chillingly matched the ones he saw on the beach. These were subjects of our genetic experiments several years back, trying to engineer new types of vaccines. But they were unstable, violent. We were forced to terminate them. Bob shook his head in disbelief. You mean those things came from your lab? Dr. Ellis nodded grimly. It seems some have somehow survived and escaped. I swear they were destroyed, but perhaps some remaining contamination. Colonel White broke in. How this happened doesn't matter now. We need to contain this quietly before mass panic ensues. Our team will handle cleanup and capture. Before Bob could argue, one of the deputies ran over looking panicked. Sheriff, we just got word that some of those things have been sighted in town moving quick. Bob felt his gut lurch. He turned back to the colonel. No time to argue over jurisdiction now. We need to stop them before more innocent people get torn apart. Colonel White nodded. Agreed. We'll coordinate efforts and pool our resources. He turned to his team, unloading gear from the van. Tranquilizer rifles and nets, people. Track them down fast, but remember, try to take them alive if possible. Bob jumped in his cruiser and sped back up the coastal highway. Soon he was driving past the vacation homes and flickering street lamps of Montauk proper. A handful of early risers wandered about, unaware of the nightmarish danger potentially lurking in the shadows. Bob spotted a lumbering, misshapen figure duck behind a local bait shop. He pulled up quietly, drawing his gun as he moved in, but it was only a large raccoon nibbling on a fish carcass. A piercing shriek came from a backyard ahead. Bob leapt the fence to see one of the humanoid beasts, grasping a flopping fish in an inflatable pool, ripping it to shreds with its teeth. Before Bob could aim his gun, the creature's head jerked up, fish guts and blood dripping from its maw. With unnatural speed, the beast lunged right at Bob, bloody claws slashing. He fired off two shots, but it barely slowed the thing down. Bob crashed to the ground as fetid breath assaulted his face. He managed to angle his gun and fire point blank into the creature's contorted face just before its jaws clamped down. The beast reeled backward, wailing hideously. It stumbled over the fence and disappeared between the houses. Bob slowly got to his feet, wiping the foul drool from his face. Gunshots and screams rang through the morning air as the monsters prowled the streets. Units tried to corral them away from crowded areas with mixed success. The creatures seemed drawn towards any live prey they could find, be it human or animal. One deputy cried out as a beast dropped onto him from a rooftop. He emptied his clip into its torso, black blood spraying as it collapsed halfway through his shoulder. Another creature burst from a convenience store, arms overflowing with devoured snack bags and soda bottles. It batted away two officers before disappearing into the marsh beyond town. Bob helped where he could, but the chaos seemed endless. 
He knew only that they had to contain the creatures here, or the destruction would spread unchecked. Just then, Dr. Ellis ran up carrying a megaphone and some sort of metal cylinder. Sheriff, I think I have a way to draw the remaining ones away from town. She led Bob to a dock where the Colonel and his team were loading gear into boats. This will emit an ultrasonic frequency that should attract their mutated senses, Dr. Ellis explained, holding up the device. We'll lure them out to Plum Island, Colonel White said. Containment will be easier there. Bob nodded and jumped aboard as the boat sped out into Montauk Harbor. He pointed to a hulking, dog-like beast swimming between moored sailboats ahead. It crawled up onto the beach, snarling. Dr. Ellis switched on the ultrasonic device. The keening sound it emitted was nearly undetectable to human ears, but it immediately got the mutated creature's attention. The beast's head jerked towards the approaching boats, dripping jaws gaping stupidly. It's working, said Dr. Ellis. As they steered wider around the harbor, more of the wretched things emerged from their hiding places, following the boats and swimming out to sea. Within 20 minutes, the small fleet reached the shadowy bulk of Plum Island. What remained of the mutated horrors slogged out of the water onto the rocky shoreline. Soldiers opened fire with trank darts until all the creatures lay unconscious. Capture teams moved in quickly with chains and muzzles to load the sedated beasts into metal truck containers bound for the lab. Colonel White turned to Bob as the crews finished up. Thank you for your help containing this, Sheriff McKenzie. My team will take it from here. Plum Island is now under level four hazmat lockdown, so this never gets beyond our shores again. Bob nodded reluctantly. He didn't like leaving such nightmares in the government's hands alone, but he knew the beings had come from this accursed island. It was fitting they should meet their end here too. He steered the boat quietly back towards Montauk, leaving the soldiers and scientists to deal with the horrors they themselves had created. Bob gazed out at the calm sea as the first hints of sunrise sparkled on the waves, and he silently prayed that the evils brewing on Plum Island would remain trapped there forevermore. Sheriff McKenzie slowly rolled through the deserted streets of his once peaceful town. Storefronts sat empty and dark, many boarded over with wood planks haphazardly nailed across smashed windows and doors. Trash and debris littered the sidewalks and alleyways, and everywhere the stench of death lingered like an ominous cloud. It had been a week since those nightmarish beasts first appeared on his shores, escaped from the Plum Island Research Facility. Mackenzie suppressed a shudder remembering their grotesque, misshapen faces, part human, part animal. He had hoped containing them on the island would be the end, but it was only the beginning. Somehow, more of the creatures had reached the mainland again, and they wasted no time descending upon the quiet beach community with savage fury, killing indiscriminately. The screams still echoed in Mackenzie's mind. He swore he could never forget such sounds of sheer terror. Now, a tense silence had settled across the ravaged ghost town they left behind. Mackenzie knew most residents who survived had fled upstate seeking refuge. He couldn't blame them. 
but he would be damned if he abandoned this place completely. It was his town, his home, and he would keep fighting to take it back, whatever the cost. Static crackled from the radio, breaking the Unisi silence. Sheriff, Dr. Ellis here, came the voice, faint but audible. The team is in place when you're ready. Mackenzie picked up the receiver. Copy that. Heading to you now. He made his way across town to a barricaded alley, where the doctor waited with a somber group of teenagers. Jamie recognized them instantly as the same group who had snuck onto Plum Island, the ones who started this whole mess. Dr. Mariah Ellis cleared her throat awkwardly. Sheriff, you remember Derek and his friends? I've told them what we need, and they volunteered to help. Derek nodded. It's our fault those things got out. We want to make this right. The other teens murmured in agreement, faces pale but resolute. Mackenzie studied their frightened but determined eyes. They were just kids who'd made a stupid mistake. He knew from their accounts that they never intended real harm, and he could use all the help he could get. All right, Mackenzie said gruffly. Here's the plan. You'll head down to the marina where your boat is docked. We've loaded a net and some blood cow parts from the butcher shop. Use that chum to lure as many creatures into the water as you can. Get them following your boat back around the point to the Plum Island research dock. The sheriff's radio crackled again. In position at the facility dock when ready. It was Colonel White from Plum Island. Mackenzie continued, myself and several teams will be waiting there heavily armed. We'll take down any creatures that follow your boats. With a little luck, we can eliminate the remaining ones for good this time. The teens nodded. Jamie placed a steady hand on Derek's shoulder. We can do this. Derek managed a small, grateful smile at her. The group hurried off toward the marina and their waiting boats, determination masking their fear. Mackenzie turned to Dr. Ellis as distant shrieks suddenly shattered the silence. You should get somewhere secure, Doctor. She adamantly shook her head, hefting a trank rifle. I want to see this through. Mackenzie held her resolute gaze for a moment before giving a curt nod of approval. They took up positions behind barricades facing the research dock and waited, weapons ready. The minutes crawled by punctuated only by inhuman howls echoing through the buildings. Then, the sound of boat motors roared through the harbor. Two small vessels came into view, hurtling through the dark water at full speed. A handful of misshapen creatures swam just behind in a frenzy, driven by the churning blood trail. The teens cut the motors and dove off the boats into the safety of the waiting lab staff's outstretched arms as the creatures swarmed the empty vessels their prize lost. The monsters snarled in rage and began clawing their way up the dock toward shore. That's when Mackenzie gave the signal to open fire. A hail of gunshots and tranquilizers rained down onto the nightmarish congregation. The beasts convulsed and howled as bullets riddled their bodies, black blood splattering the wooden planks. One by one, the creatures collapsed until the dock fell silent once more dotted with heaving, unconscious masses. In the ring of spotlights, it was a scene straight from hell. 
Cautiously, capture teams donned hazmat suits and descended to chain up the tranquilized beasts and lug them into the facility's secure containment wing. Mackenzie watched the cleanup, hardly believing their plan had worked. Perhaps his town could finally know peace again. By the next morning, the remaining creatures were locked safely in the Plum Island labs, with Colonel White's troops guarding the premises under strict 24-hour surveillance. Mackenzie took the first ferry back to the mainland with Derek, Jamie, and their weary friends. As the island shrank from view behind them, they traded relieved smiles. It was the first hopeful moment any had experienced since this nightmare began weeks ago. Back on shore, Jamie hugged Derek goodbye before approaching the sheriff. Thank you again. I know you didn't have to help us after everything. Mackenzie shook his head. I'm just glad we were able to stop them before anyone else got hurt. Get yourselves home and rest up easy now. With the creatures contained, the long process of cleanup and reconstruction could finally begin. As Mackenzie drove away, he dared to imagine a return to normalcy. People coming home, businesses reopening. No more fear of what lurked in the shadows. But back on Plum Island, Dr. Ellis sat alone in the lab control room, staring intently at the security monitor screens. One showed the captured creatures pacing restlessly in their cages. Another displayed thermal radar images of the remote wooded interior of the island. Something had been bothering Dr. Ellis since their otherwise successful containment operation. A crucial yet elusive detail teased the edges of her memory. She replayed the night the creatures first escaped a month ago in her mind. Then it hit her. The security footage had shown more than just the released specimens back then. There had been two additional creatures in the shadows that were never accounted for. At the time, she had thought them inconsequential, just another failed experiment. But on the thermal imaging now, she saw something that turned her blood to ice. Two large, hot masses, hidden deep in the brush, giving off distinct life signs. One shape was very clearly a large adult creature. But the smaller object emitted different signals, almost like that of an incubated clutch of eggs. Dr. Ellis grabbed the radio to put out an emergency alert of her disturbing find. But as she lifted the receiver, warning sirens began blaring through the building. Red emergency lights flashed on the screens as the camera displays turned to white noise. Security breach in containment wing A, came the panicked announcement over the loudspeakers. All personnel evacuate immediately. On the screens, Dr. Ellis could make out soldiers yelling and firing at something down the hallway just before the video cut out completely. The whole island suddenly went dark and silent. No, she thought, this can't be happening. Not after they had come so close to containing this nightmare for good. Heart pounding, Dr. Ellis crept from the control room, guided only by the beam of her flashlight down the evacuation route. The sterile white halls were now pitch black and empty, but muffled shrieks and gunfire echoed distantly through the building. She descended a stairwell carefully towards the exit when a dark mass dropped from the ceiling in front of her. Dr. Ellis stumbled back with a gasp as the misshapen creature grinned with jagged teeth. 
dangling upside down on leathery wings. With no weapon, she clutched her flashlight like a club as the beast lunged. But a gunshot rang out, hitting the creature midair. It crumpled to the floor with a final snarl. Dr. Ellis turned with relief to see Colonel White lower his smoking pistol. The containment was breached. Many have already escaped the facility, he said grimly. We need to evacuate the island immediately. They emerged into utter chaos outside. Flames engulfed one entire lab wing. Figures silhouetted against the blaze ran screaming as creatures pursued them from the darkness. Military jeeps sped through the pandemonium. Soldiers ushering frantic staff members toward the dock and remaining boats. Dr. Ellis and Colonel White boarded one of the last, vessels away from shore as the fire spread, consuming more of the complex. The boat's motors pounded through the black water, putting distance between them and the glowing inferno as acrid smoke billowed into the night sky. Sheriff McKenzie was just drifting off to sleep, the first restful night he'd had in ages, when a pounding at his front door jolted him awake. Gun raised, he warily approached. Through the window, he glimpsed Dr. Ellis's frizzy hair. He opened the door, stomach sinking at her panicked expression. It's happening again, she said breathlessly. They've escaped the island for good this time. The infection will only spread. Mackenzie stared as the reality of her words sank in. He realized then the nightmare was far from over. The creatures could never truly be eliminated, not fully. Wherever those monstrosities came from, they were here to stay now. As Dr. Ellis babbled urgently about evacuation protocols, Mackenzie leaned heavily against the doorway, gazing out at the empty, unaware town. How long would it have this time, he wondered, before the death and destruction again descended? Living in fear, constantly waiting for the next attack was no way to exist. But there seemed no other option anymore. At best, they could try to minimize the damage and save as many innocent lives as possible. With a resigned sigh, Sheriff McKenzie stepped outside, gently closing the door against the coming darkness. If these monsters wanted his town again, he would give them one hell of a fight first. Sheriff McKenzie slowly walked the outskirts of town as the first pink light of dawn crept over the horizon. The streets were still deserted, most residents having already fled upstate to escape the violent creatures invading their community. Windows were boarded up and shops sat vacant, echoing only memories of the tranquil seaside life this place once held. Mackenzie paused as the ruins of a quaint beach cafe came into view. Wicker chairs and floral tablecloths lay broken and tangled in the dirt. Dirty napkins fluttered across the ground in the breeze. It was here he used to start each morning with a steaming cup of coffee, watching locals and eager tourists strolling by. Those easy days now seemed a lifetime away. Ever since those twisted monstrosities first escaped from the Plum Island labs, the sheriff's coastal town had become barely recognizable, a gutted ghost of its former self. He still shuddered to recall the savagery unleashed that day on these shores. No wonder most residents had given up hope, seeking safety far from this new hunting ground. But Mackenzie couldn't bring himself to abandon his home completely. 
not yet. As he turned uptown, the sheriff spotted a familiar, lanky figure walking towards him. He recognized Jamie, the teenage girl who had trespassed onto Plum Island with her friends, inadvertently releasing the first creatures, the one who helped lead them back again. I thought you and your folks got out, Jamie, Mackenzie said, puzzled. She bit her lip. Most people have, but I couldn't go. Not until I see this through. Mackenzie saw the determination in her eyes, but also the fear. These things are everyone's nightmare now, but you especially were thrown in the deep end. No one would blame you for needing to get away from it all. Jamie shook her head. The island was my fault. If I can help fix things at all, she glanced back the way she had come. A few others stayed behind too. We want to help, Sheriff. Mackenzie studied her solemn face a long moment before giving a slow nod. They could use whatever volunteers they could find. All right then, let's go see who else we've got. As the sun rose higher, Mackenzie gathered the ragtag group in the police station parking lot. In total, nine other people remained in their ravaged community. Besides Jamie, there was Derek and two other teens from their island trespassing crew, a middle-aged husband and wife who ran the local bookshop and refused to abandon their business of 20 years, an elderly fisherman too stubborn to be chased off, and the deputy Mackenzie had ordered to keep radio communication with Plum Island staff active. It wasn't much against the deadly creatures still roaming wild, but as they stood around Mackenzie, awaiting instruction, he felt the smallest glimmer of hope. Here were people willing to risk their lives for the chance of restoring what was lost. Mackenzie cleared his throat. Those of you who stayed, I admire your courage. You know the horrors we're up against, I won't lie, this fight will likely get worse before it gets better. Solemn faces stared back, but no one moved to leave. Our job is to steer the remaining creatures away from the populated areas inland. Keep them contained to the coast as best we can. I know these lands and waters well. We'll use that knowledge to our advantage. Mackenzie unrolled a map across the patrol car hood. We'll start today planning strategic sites for traps, bait, and tracking. Areas we can corner them for capture by the Plum Island teams once their lab is operational again. The sheriff spent the next week working closely with the stalwart volunteers as they slowly transformed their ghost town into a trap for monsters. The bookshop couple helped build concealed pits and snares along wooded trails using fencing, nets, and camouflage. The teens hauled animal carcasses from the butcher as bait to strategic locations, and the fishermen took Mackenzie and Jamie out on his boat to lay chum trails leading up from the sea towards capturable terrain. It wasn't a flawless system. They lost their first trap attempt when one creature chewed through the netting, and the deputy had a close call cornering a hissing beast in an alley before Mackenzie could trank it. But with each passing day, their skills grew sharper. Their grasp on reclaiming fate from the invaders strengthened bit by bit. Then came the day Jamie radioed an urgent sighting from her household rooftop lookout near the lighthouse. A hulking, dog-like creature had been spotted emerging from the trees onto the North Point Beach 
dragging a mangled human leg. Mackenzie revved up his truck. I'm on my way. Get the others alerted. As he sped towards the shore, Mackenzie's pulse pounded. This was no stray animal. It had clearly hunted and fed, which meant more active creatures were likely following close behind. He spotted Jamie already keeping watch overhead as he pulled up to the gore-slicked beach. The creature was hunched nearby under the abandoned boardwalk, feeding. A tense moment passed as it gnawed at the limb. Then its head jerked up, sniffing the air. With a snarling howl, the beast charged straight towards Mackenzie's truck. He barely managed to slam the vehicle into reverse, tires spewing sand as the creature fell upon the spot where he'd been parked. It left a jagged claw mark down the driver's side before turning back toward the trees. Mackenzie leaned out his window and fired several times, but the bullets barely slowed the thing as it disappeared into the brush. It was still out there, injured and enraged, and possibly seeking out its next prey. He quickly radioed the others. Keep alert, teams. We've got at least one active creature near the lighthouse, possibly more. Take all precautions. Soon, answering calls crackled back, confirming barricades and armed observation points were being set up around the area. Satisfied they had the situation controlled for now, Mackenzie headed uphill to collect Jamie from her lookout. She was scanning the shoreline with anxious eyes when he climbed onto the roof. No further sightings yet. I don't like it down there being so quiet now. Mackenzie nodded grimly. It's biding its time. But we know they prefer to hunt at night, so we'll... He froze as an echoing shriek arose from the beach below, followed by frenzied splashing. They both spun to see several dark shapes emerge from the surf onto the sand, prowling toward the woods on all fours. Damn, it called for reinforcements, Mackenzie said. He raised his radio to warn the others, but only Static answered. Communications are still blocked somewhere close. We need to go, Jamie cried. They scrambled down from the rooftop, reaching Mackenzie's truck just as a chorus of shrieks erupted from the lighthouse grounds ahead. The creatures had circled from the beach around their flank. Mackenzie gunned the engine in reverse as three beasts galloped into view from side streets. Jamie screamed as gnarled claws scraped against her window, leaving deep grooves in the glass and twisted metal. Tires squealing, Mackenzie swerved the truck through tight alleys and back roads, trying to lose their pursuers. But the creatures kept pace, leaping across rooftops and emerging from the dark ahead. We'll never outrun them back to town, Jamie yelled above the engine roar. Mackenzie's mind raced, searching for options. As he skidded onto Seaside Avenue along the Marsh Inlet, an idea hit. The docks, our boat, if we can make it, there's a chance, he shouted back. Jamie nodded in understanding. The truck skidded around the final corner to the marina, one creature clinging to their bumper before rolling off with a scream. Mackenzie braked hard beside the slip where the fisherman's boat was moored. Go, go, he yelled, shoving Jamie onto the vessel while firing shots at two beasts bounding down the dock. As the boat's engine turned over, he dove aboard. Bullets peppered the water around them as they sped from the dock into open sea. The creatures paced angrily along the shoreline, cries fading into the distance. 
Jamie slumped in her seat, shaking. Do you think the others are okay back there? Mackenzie tried the radio again, relieved to hear the static was gone. Deputy, come in. What's your situation? After a tense moment, the crackling response came. We're all right, Sheriff. Locked ourselves in the bookshop cellar after the creatures gave chase. What's happening out there? Mackenzie quickly explained their narrow escape and the multiple creatures spotted as he piloted farther from shore. Have your group stay put until it's secure. We'll figure out our next move. Putting down the receiver, Mackenzie checked their position. The dark silhouette of Plum Island now loomed across the small strait before them. He turned to Jamie. If those labs are operational again, they may have resources we need. And right now, I don't know where else to turn. Jamie bit her lip but nodded. She knew any help or information could prove a vital. As the boat bumped against the worn research facility docks, an armored soldier keep watch gestured them aboard. Sheriff Mackenzie, we've been waiting for you, and I have someone anxious to speak with you. Mackenzie and Jamie exchanged puzzled glances but followed him into a security checkpoint leading inside. There, a familiar frizzy-haired scientist looked up from a desk covered in files and maps. Sheriff, thank God you're alive, Dr. Mariah Ellis said. We've been trying to reach the mainland for days, but all communications are still down. Doc, what's going on here? Mackenzie asked. Thought you all had evacuated with those creatures loose. Jamie slipped her hand into Mackenzie's, drawing together in this final moment of peace on the deceptively serene island. A gentle breeze carried the scent of smoke and sea. And so they waited, silently bearing witness to the cradle of destruction smoldering to life across the water. A vengeance set into motion by human hands, and one that would forever change the course of mankind from this moment on.